Welcome to Parenthood Pals. I'm Caleb Hoyer. And I'm Melissa Fight Johnson. And joining us back from many, many seasons ago is one of our favorite guests and yours, my cousin <laughs> Sarah Russell. Welcome back, Sarah. Hello. Oh. Sarah was last with us for episode 219, Taking the Leap, which was like over a year and a half ago. Oh my God, that's crazy. So Sarah, what has been going on in your life for the last year and a half? Yeah, I tried to remember. I was like, how long ago was it? So it was a year and a half. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Well, I um, was living in the little guest house on my parents' property when we did the first podcast because that's we were making the comparisons to Sarah Braverman. That's yeah. Sarah right. Russell. Oh. And now we are building on that property. And so I'm stuck in my parents' guest room. So lots changed, but a lot has stayed the same. <laughs> That's where we are right now. We're trying to get in the house by the end of the year. Wow. I have been watching all your updates. And it seems like every single day, you and John and your son are just like working dawn to dusk. We are. Something or other, or something's getting delivered or some yes. old debris is getting carried away or and then you had a hurricane in the middle of it oh my yeah God. we had to deal with two hurricanes whoa and, yeah right now if you ask me right now i would recommend you not build your own house <laughs> <laughs> maybe later i will change my mind <laughs> i was actually about to ask some version of that i was like is, is it worth it and i bet someday your answer will be yes yes but right now no. <laughs> yeah. Someday I'll tell you how beautiful it is and how worth it. But, and I think when we're in it, we'll like looking around being like, oh my gosh, we did all this ourselves. But right now it's really, it's pretty overwhelming, but we're trying to take it one day at a time, one delivery at a time. Like you said, Caleb, <laughs> just we'll get there. So many people, it seems who have a house built, like they have it built, right? Like they just yeah. design the idea and then they hire other people. It's kind of amazing that you guys are like doing this yourself. That's one word for it. Um, yeah, we'll we'll make it. We'll make it. It's um, it's gonna be really cool. There's certainly no other house like it. And yeah, well, once we get in, I'm sure I'll have much better perspective and be like, wow, isn't this great? But right oh. now we're just just slogging through the details. Well, it all looks great on Facebook. Thank you. And that's what's important, right? Totally. It's why we do everything. Who cares about reality? Yeah. Just curate the version of yes. reality you want the world to see. My exactly. social media presence is really fun right now. So that, that's important. <laughs> it that's, is. Yeah. yeah. And how, what grade is your son in right now? He's a freshman in high school now. Oh that's what I was really wondering about. And that just seems yeah. impossible. But. Which does seem impossible. And is that kind of fun with all the parenthood talks. So yeah, he's, uh, yeah, he's navigating high school this year yeah. and, and moved to a big public high school. He was in a little private middle school which I think we talked about on some episode, but um, yeah, now he's in a big school of 2,700 or something, you know, wow. finding his way. Oh my gosh. 2,700. Yeah. It's crazy. When you were talking about your house stuff, I was thinking about like Crosby and Joel just fixing up that house. And now you're talking about being a freshman in high school. And I'm thinking about Christina and Adam starting the school. It's kind of amazing. Uh, I know. Parenthood is real life. <laughs> it is. That should <laughs> be our tagline. That's amazing. Oh, I've been so stressed out all day as we were kind of alluding at the beginning. And then it's so nice. I like start recording. I'm hanging out with you guys. And then I just like feel 
way calmer. So Yay. it's so nice. Yes. Yeah, this is this is great to just be here with you. So we can chill you out. Yeah. Yeah. We'll uh, take a little respite with these fictional characters. Perfect. I love who it. Who stress me out. I yeah. Know, <laughs> yeah, they do. <laughs> well, let's get to it. Today is Parenthood Season 6, Episode 5, The Scale of Affection is Fluid. It was written by Jesse Zwick, directed by Bethany Rooney. It originally aired on October 23rd, 2014. And here's the TV Guide synopsis. Max tries to learn about his new friend and receives some sketchy relationship advice from Adam. Meanwhile, Amber develops a crush. Julia's new beau makes an appearance at the family barbecue. Crosby lets loose with Zeke and Jasmine worries about her husband. As we've been saying is the case with season six, all of the main characters are not going to be in every episode. And this episode is the first time that I've been very aware of exposition explaining that. How did Sarah get out of this thing? Get out of it? What are you talking about? She's not here. She's at a photo shoot in Santa Cruz with Hank. Hmm. Oh, okay. Got it, Adam. Thanks. (laughs) I won't ask where Sarah is again. (laughs) I think it would be smarter just not to have her there. Like instead of calling attention to it because Christina wasn't in a couple episodes ago and I just barely even noticed. And in the past, like Zeke and Camille wouldn't be in an episode or Drew wouldn't and they just wouldn't mention it. I think it's weird. Like in real life, you might have a barbecue and not all four of your children would show up, like your adult children, like maybe not the entire family (laughs) would be there. But I don't know. Well, now that we know Sarah won't be here, we can get to the rest of the storylines. That's right. (laughs) So the storyline I connected most with in this episode, which is a little strange because I know I mentioned a few episodes ago, maybe it was just last episode, that this was kicking off one of my least favorite storylines. But so far, I'm enjoying the storyline and I actually thought it was the best one in this episode, which is Max and Dylan. I'm studying Dylan. You're studying Dylan? Yes. Through the trash. This picture of a horse Mm -hmm. tells me that Dylan likes pictures and also that she likes horses. Dad said that the foundation of any romantic relationship is based on common interests. Dad said that. Yes, which means that in this case, I should probably either choose drawing or horses. Okay, honey, I know that Considering I hate drawing, I should probably choose horses. I know that you like her, and I know that you think she's cool with this whole, like, anti-authority thing, but are you sure that this is the right girl for you? I have to go to class now, but we can continue this conversation later, Mrs. Braverman. Okay. So do you agree that common interests is the foundation of a good relationship? Hmm. Oh, good question, Caleb. Oh, thank you. I think it's certainly important. It's definitely a nice beginning place. Like, I don't know how people get connected without too much, with some kind of common interest, right? Yeah. yeah. You When you meet new people, usually it's because of a common interest. Yeah. I think common values might mm-hmm. be even more important. Like, I don't know. I don't like football and Mark does, you know, um, and I love poetry and Mark doesn't really. And sometimes we'll go with each other to our our things. I mean, I've kind of introduced Mark to poetry and he certainly likes it more than he ever used to. And I'm certainly more into pro wrestling than I ever thought I'd be, but it's (laughs) not, for example, (laughs) but it's not like we have everything in common and that's why we're together. But I do think it would be hard to be with like a Trump Republican, um, just for example, I mean, I could say anything (laughs) for example, but like, um, yeah, I mean, if someone I was with 
just had a completely different worldview, I think that would be really hard. But maybe that's not a conversation you get into with your 14-year-old son. <laughs> like, you, <laughs> you know, maybe common interests is the initial step to something deeper like that. I don't know. That's such a good question. You said almost exactly the answer I put in my notes. Really? Which is, I think some version of that advice is right. And I thought maybe more values. Because yeah. I know couples with very few common interests. But right. yeah, the way they see the world and the way they treat people and what they consider important and unimportant are very aligned. And I don't know a lot of couples who are the reverse. Yeah. Who are like, oh, well, we are interested in the same things, but we see the world completely differently. Yeah. I'm well, sure there are some, but I don't know them. Like, I think it's okay if if Max likes lizards more than horses. Like, I think, you know, that's not yeah. going to be the impediment to them having a relationship. There were a lot of things in this episode that I thought, ooh, Melissa's going to love that. <laughs> and <laughs> listeners, I'm being sarcastic. <laughs> uh, let's start with this little confluence of Braverman boys at the barbecue. Oh, oh God, I know where you're going. I like a girl. Really? Yeah. You do like a girl? That? Yeah. Oh, that's wonderful. So uh, what base are you on with her? We, have, we haven't really done what the does baseball. That mean? It's a great question. She doesn't like sports. I don't understand. Right. Well, no, no. What I meant was, have you held her hand, uh, maybe kissed her or something no, like that? No, Dad says I should start with common interests and work from there. Yeah, that's terrible <laughs> advice. That's I don't know. one way well, street. In my experience, um, the Braverman libido, the virility, the sexual attraction is a very hard thing to contain. It's just going to pop out of it. Okay, let's get that going. libido let's and virility out, maybe, whip it around, maybe and just let's see where it goes back to the baseball. And, and how do I pop them out? Okay. You've got four bases, right? Home, first, second, third. Okay. First base, kissy, kissy. Maybe hold hands. Second base, touchy, touchy. Maybe arm around the shoulder. Third base, feely, feely. A little more kissy, kissy down Maybe south. Maybe a kiss in the cheek. And then home is just watching TV Here together. Comes little Max and a baby. On the carriage. sofa. Right? You can do that on a sofa, yeah. Just stick with the common interest for now. In continuing the baseball <laughs> analogy, yeah. I, I just want to speak for Melissa and say, Strike! <laughs> that's strike one in this episode. Oh, I love this. Strike one. Yes, yes. That's amazing. Yeah. Did you actually agree with Adam most? Yeah. I mean, I'm guessing out of the three of them. Shocking. Stick with common interest. Yeah. <laughs> I also, one of my favorite parts of that was how they were like, enumerating the bases and saying what they were. And Adam was overlapping with what it is. Yeah. Our arm around the shoulder. <laughs> like, never mind. And watching TV together on a sofa. That's home run. Home run. Actually, I didn't even think of this until just now, but have you ever seen the Brady Bunch movie where Marsha Brady literally says, Greg, or no, it must not be Greg because it's not her brother. It's just some guy Doug. she's on it. Doug. I think it's Doug. It's Doug. Big man on campus. That's right. Doug, your hand is on my shoulder. So? Well, that's third base, and I don't go that far. <laughs> Do you think maybe Parenthood got this from the Brady Bunch movie? I bet not. <laughs> I hope so, though. Yeah, maybe that's possible. It would be funny. I couldn't believe that that all made it. That sounded like improvised. And I'm like, I can't believe this all made it into the final. Kissy, kissy down south. Like, I was like, oh, yeah. to a 14-year-old. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I was horrified by that, of course, um, <laughs> which Caleb knew. But what did you guys think? Was it just there to be funny and I should get over it? Like, or what did, what did you think? It wasn't 
that funny. And I don't know, to me, it seems so like, I mean, Max is 14 years old. Is that right? I think so. Freshman. Who would talk to a 14 year old like that? I don't know. And I, although, you know, that is very similar to the way Zeke spoke to Drew in season one when Drew was 15, I think. Yeah. So uh, maybe it's consistent. Uh, Crosby should know better, right? I mean, Crosby maybe is just doing it because he knows it's making his brother squirm. Yeah. But still, especially with someone like Max, who they know is going to take things literally. Yeah. That's what I was going to say. He's not just 14. He's autistic. Yes. So. And you're trying to teach him social interactions. Yes. Right. It just seems really irresponsible. And then especially when Adam clearly wanted to approach it in a different way than they were. It's like, read, come on, read, read the room folks and defer to the kid's actual parent. And then Christina lurking in the background, just like, about to tear her hair out. I would have been so pissed if I were Christina. I would have been like, this is irresponsible. And I think, you know, honestly, the, the part that bothers me the most is it's just the complete opposite of how, like, Zeke talks to his granddaughters. You know, like, he was proud of Hattie for protecting her virginity, he says to her inappropriately, and in, I think season one when she doesn't have sex with Steve. And it's just, like, really reinforcing that idea of, like, okay, so the girl's job is to, like, you know be on the shut defense to shut it down. <laughs> and of course the guy's job is to get after spread it, spread your virility. Yeah. Everywhere. I think that's, it might a, just pop out. He said, it might just pop out, which he means is <laughs> virility, but like, obviously we're going to hear that as penis. <laughs> it's just like, obviously. well, and then Crosby uh, says something like whip it out. Yeah. It just yuck. Horrifying. Yeah. When you really analyze Max being autistic, it does almost feel cruel, like a prank or something. Like I don't know. Yeah, I don't like mean they're to... setting him up or something. Yeah, and I know they don't mean it that way. I think, but that those are the moments where it's really obvious to me it's a TV show because I think it's only in there to be funny for an audience's benefit. I can't see any world where if this weren't a TV show, if there is no audience, what what's their motivation? I guess why would they talk to him that way? So took me out of it a little bit. Yeah. Okay, so for their second time at bat, (laughs) what did you think of Adam and Christina's joint effort in maybe undoing some of the Braverman men's damage? What's your wisdom? Okay, where do you want to start? Great. Um, Well, what we've learned along the way is that sometimes in relationships, people can like each other at different levels, right? right? So, So for example, on a scale of one to five, five mm -hmm. being the highest, you might like somebody at a five, and they might like you back only at a two, and that's okay. They just want to be your friend. That's normal. That happens. It's a very normal thing. What are your numbers? For each other? Well, we're both at a five, Five. right? And that is usually how romantic relationships work. People like each other the same amount. Mm-hmm. Robust five. Has a, has a balance. Yeah. It doesn't always start out that way, though. I mean, things can change. Your mother, when we first met, thought that I was a two, and now I'm a five. Well, what? yeah. So the numbers can change. Truth. Mm-mm. Yeah. What? Okay, so the scale of affection is fluid. Yeah, it is fluid. It gets a little sticky, but it's fluid. It's sticky fluid. It fluctuates. Really? Even within so it's fluid enough for the numbers to change. Yes. Actually, you know what? You're it's right, buddy. It is the truth. For example, your dad's number is undergoing a change as we speak, right? All right, so mom, you're agreeing now that numbers can change. Yeah. Mm-hmm. 
Oh, where am I right now? 4.95? Mm, 3.5. 3.5, OK. But I'll get that back up to a 5. So you're still friends? Yes. Always be friends. <laughs> Good friends. Any better? OK, here's what I thought. Umpire Melissa. <laughs> <laughs> I thought that it started out really good. I liked very much the idea of attaching it to a number system, something concrete. And I thought they made a really good point that they both liked each other at a five. And that's how romantic relationships work. And I really love that Adam said, you know, if someone likes you back at a two, that's okay. They just want to be friends. If they had left it at that, I think that's actually really solid explaining on Max's level, I was so angry, like borderline furious, when they started talking about the numbers changing. <laughs> That's it. Yes. Because it, it kind of honestly triggered me. It reminded me of, I, I know I've mentioned this on the podcast before, but like being in high school, and if a guy said he liked me and I said I didn't like him back, he would make some comment about how he could wait. Like he, he would like like wait for me to change my mind. And I was always like... I. I'm not going to, though. I don't like you. And while I agree that in life, sometimes people's feelings do change, I don't think it's a very good idea to make it sound like that's the norm for Max. I think it's good to set him up like if she doesn't like you back, that's it. Just be her friend. Unless that's too painful, then don't, you know, then just don't have any sort of relationship with her. But they made it sound like just be persistent and then she'll like you like your mom liked me. And then I felt like they were so busy just being funny, like sticky fluid. And then Christina was more concerned with getting Adam back by saying, you know what? Yeah, you're right. Numbers can change because my number for you is undergoing a change right now. And I was like, oh, so it's more important to you to get your little dig in to Adam and be funny right here than it is to clarify, no, no Max, we actually, your dad misspoke. We shouldn't, you know what? It, it bothered me a lot. And again, it felt like it was all for the audience. Like, isn't the sticky fluid thing funny? And I'm like, no, no, no. You just really misled your son go back but I don't know if you guys thought that or not what, what did you think I laughed at sticky fluid <laughs> <laughs> that's what I should do right good it's for damn... you for owning it I think I did it's just a show I, I was should like, laugh oh, I certainly right. laughed at your numbers undergoing a change right now it is she was funny. a little looking at him like um sticky fluid like she was kind of like is this what we're saying it's this this is what it is <laughs> yeah um but to your point I didn't even think about how she could have been like no and argued it back to like they don't change she could have done that I also think there was like a parental part of me that was like he doesn't want to take his hope away yeah like he didn't want to take away his like hope that like maybe she'll like me someday you yeah. know yeah I don't know that's a good but point. you don't want to create stalkers like I understand that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and I think even if they had explained how numbers change, because I, I agree, like, uh, yeah. you know, in life, people's feelings about other people do change. That's true. But like he could have said, well, it's nothing that I did that made your mom's two for me turn into a five. That's all stuff that was happening within her. It's her own thing. So someone's mm -hmm. number may change, but you can't change someone else's number. So it's not a project for you to undertake yeah. of like, oh, a two, I can work with that. No, 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 no. You don't work with it. It's a two, leave it at a two. And if Dylan finds over time, you know what? I actually think it's a three or a four. I mean, in that one conversation, she yeah. rounded it up to two and a half. So maybe that, but 
But I did wonder, I'm like, maybe for the first conversation with an autistic 14-year-old who takes everything completely literally, maybe it's simplest to leave it at numbers don't change. Yeah. And let him learn it on his own. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I, I see what you mean too, Sarah, of like not wanting to take your kid's hope away without betraying your son's privacy. Have you had any of these, like this open of discussions with your son or is it like, um, I'm not going to discuss my love life with my parents? Oh, he's had little, he's had like crushes and friends that are girls. He definitely had friends that are girls that were like running to Target for their birthday present the night before. Like, Aww. is this really just a friend? <laughs> like my husband's been like, if this is just a friend, why am I running to Target at 8 p.m.? Like, we... <laughs> so Aww. we've definitely had some conversations like that, but nothing, I don't know. He's pretty sensitive to other people's feelings, I think. And so he, if anything, he's probably more timid than he. I remember one time being like, well, do you have her phone number or something? He's like, I'm working on it, you know. (laughs) (laughs) That's true. I think, you know, no, not to this. He hasn't like come to us like, what do I do? Mm -hmm. I think it's a little more typical where he talks to friends instead of his parents. Yeah. Well, and he probably has much greater ease reading social cues than Max would. Yeah. Which is a big wrinkle in this situation. That's true. Although you're making me realize Max does not go to his parents really and ask, right? I, although I guess last episode he did say to Adam, what do you do if you like a girl? Yeah, he did say something like that. Yeah. I was just thinking this episode, they're like, we're going to give you the advice. Like they they sort of approached him, which I thought right. was interesting. But the only reason they even know about it is because he is being open about having a crush, which I never was with my parents. So that's, mm-hmm. that's interesting. Well, although maybe they're approaching him because Christina found him digging through, through Dylan's trash. <laughs> yeah, I was like, well, that's, that's not the right way. <laughs> I don't want him to be a stalker, like right. she says. So yeah. I think she's aware that this could go. But, you know, then then she needed to maybe know what she was going to say with Adam before they went in there. Because if she, if her whole point was, I'm worried that he's taken your good advice and ran with it in a bad direction, let's get on the same page before we go in there about exactly what we're going to say. I just feel like she could have seen that coming because she's the one who said to Adam at the beginning of the episode, she doesn't like him back. And Adam's like, well, how do you know that? And I, I mean, you could argue that she doesn't know that. It's just her fear maybe or her instinct. But... If her fear is that she doesn't like him back, I understand about giving your kid hope, but false hope is not a good kind of hope no. to have. And so I don't know. And it's such a good listen lesson to tell kids to like listen to the person that they're interested in instead of approaching it like, how do I change their mind? I just think they really messed up. I, I don't know. I just... It, it really bothers me because I think Max could have done a lot better. I think that... If he maybe hadn't approached it with like, I like you at a a five, what do you like me at? I mean, she seemed to find that charming, but I don't know if she found it so charming when he was like, it will take me 10 years, but I will. (laughs) (laughs) It was like a yes, no, maybe letter. Yeah. Right out there. Yeah. Right out there. I feel like it was another time that Adam, like Christina kind of said how she wanted it to go. And Adam was like, okay. And then did what he wanted. (laughs) Yeah. That's true. That is so true. Maybe that's just a Braverman trait because Julia did that with Joel all the time. That's interesting. Yeah. Well, this week in Weird Things I Googled, (laughs) I looked up the books that Max brought home from the library or wherever he went. Are those real books? They're almost real. Okay. So... 
Double Your Dating, What Every Man Should Know About How to Be Successful with Women is a real book, but it's by David D'Angelo, not, as Max said, James Turner. Chris Odom did write a book called The Mystery Method, but its actual subtitle was How to Get Beautiful Women into Bed by Mystery, not, as Max said, How to Get Any Woman into Bed with You by Mystery. And then last and least, there's a book called The Game, Penetrating the Secret Society of Pickup Artists. But it's by a guy named Neil Strauss, not Jeff Lee, which is what they say in the episode. And it did not appear that Neil Strauss had also written a book called If This Boat is a Rockin', Don't Come a Knockin'. (laughs) So everything was like almost real. I wonder why they did that. And it also made me wonder if the names they replaced them with were like inside jokes with friends of theirs. I'm kind of horrified by all those titles. Yeah. 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 What's sad is all the titles are real or or very close to real. Mm. Horror. (sighs) Now, why did you think Christina was so convinced that Dylan was not going to like Max back? Hey, this is not my fault. That is good. I didn't encourage him to go get those books. No, you are encouraging him, honey. You're undermining our whole plan. Yes, you are by saying I was once a two. I was was trying to be encouraging. That was a bit a story about us. You said I was a two. I know. I was trying to get him to understand the game. I get that, okay? But this girl is not going to like him that way. Why not? Plain and simple. Why? Why not? Because. Because why? (sighs) Adam, really? What? Because Max is different? Because he's. Difficult? I know he is, but so are all the other kids at Chambers Academy. They're all, they're a potpourri of freaks, like Dylan said, right? So why not, Max? I need to believe this is possible. Okay. Okay. But those books are not, he cannot read those books. They're gone, right now. Okay. Okay, I'll take them away right now, I promise you. All right. Okay, I love you. I love you, Sam. Why is she so thoroughly convinced that Dylan won't like him? I don't know if I'm right, but I don't think she does know, but I think she's catastrophizing the way she does, and I think she's going to worst-case scenario, and she doesn't want to get her hopes up, and Adam is someone who does want to get his hopes up. I mean, it's how, not to get super dramatic, but it's how they handled cancer, too, right? Like, she wanted to go to the doctor who was going to tell her the truth, And he wanted to go to, like, the hippie woo-woo doctor, you know, who just, like, said positive things. Yeah, I think, I think Christina probably doesn't think Max will ever have a girlfriend. Whoa. I think she kind of, she sort of acts like that wouldn't be possible, right? Like, she just kind of acts like, when she says, really, you want me to spell it out? Like, he's too weird is kind of, I think, what she stops herself from saying, you know? Wow. I don't know. I feel like she fights really hard for him to have a normal life, but this seems to be like in another, it seems a little out of character for her actually. Cause in other episodes, she's always wanting him to have all these normal things, but she doesn't seem to think he can have a teenage girlfriend. I don't even, cause to me, it doesn't seem like it's really about Dylan. Maybe it is, but it feels a little like it would be any girl. Yeah. Cause she doesn't even know Dylan. Well, she, she knows her a little bit and yeah. she doesn't like her. Yeah. Yeah. I wondered if it was a sort of like a defense mechanism almost like if she is certain that no, that she won't like him, then maybe she can keep him from putting himself out there and getting mm-hmm. hurt. Mm-hmm. 
and she sort of, which people do all the time yeah. for themselves. And I'm like, well, she's just kind of doing it by proxy. And then I noticed when I played that clip too, that Adam says, I need to believe this is possible. I'm like, oh, well, you're making it about yourself, Adam, which is really why you brought up that two to a five thing. Like you weren't just keeping hope alive for Max. You were keeping hope alive for you. Yeah. And that's not great parenting, even though I think it was from a well-intentioned place. Yeah. It's like, well, you need to make this about your son, not you. And Christina's doing the same thing, I think, just in the opposite direction. I think she's nervous about how much she will be hurt if he yeah. gets hurt. I think you nailed it. It's the Halloween episode all over again. Adam needed to believe that he could trick or treat. And Christina wanted them to stay home and play Monopoly with all the lights off like like they'd done <laughs> in the past. You know, and they both are, I think, you're right, making it about them. And I think the thing that bothers me the most is that they're acting like Dylan isn't a person. Like, really, Christina, I think, is just as mistaken as Adam. Adam being like, I need to believe this is possible. And Christina saying it's not possible. Let's go talk to Dylan. Let's see how Dylan feels. <laughs> like, let's ask her. And then let's talk. Because they're acting like she's a symbol or something. Like, you know, can Max have a girlfriend? Well, the answer doesn't rest entirely on Dylan because even if she's not interested, yes, he still could have a girlfriend. It just won't be her. So it's weird to like pin all their hopes and dreams on her. Like, I need to believe this is possible. It's still possible, even if she isn't interested. Mm -hmm. And I think real quick on that whole 2-5 thing, I'm betting you anything that Christina didn't like Adam at a two, like maybe a four. Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah, she told him it. She might say that it was. Yeah, bad. but like, I think if you end up marrying someone, unless it's like Pride and Prejudice, and you have a deep misunderstanding of who the other person is, and then you undergo an epiphany, I don't think it's <laughs> going to change from a two to a five. I think that you might just like them a little bit more. And so, yeah. Anyway, I think that's also misguided because I don't think that that means magically. You know, Dylan's two means the same thing as Christina's two. Whatever. <laughs> but Caleb, you started this whole conversation by saying that you really like how the show is handling this and you found it more relatable than you would have guessed. I just, so far, yeah. the storyline is interesting to me. Yeah, of I agree. How, how do you, I mean, they're not doing a great job parenting I think <laughs> heart in the right place but they're making missteps but they're missteps that I find compelling to watch yeah and I I, I, rem I feel like this storyline at some point really jumps the shark and I <laughs> and I'm just not there yet I thought it did it like right from the get-go I'm like oh no this is still good but yeah speaking to what you were saying about you know they should talk to Dylan I also think the way they talk to Max like I'm trying to imagine what would Gabby do and I feel like Gabby would rehearse reactions with yes. Max. Like, okay, so now what should we do if Dylan says she likes you at a five? What is the proper way to proceed then? And now let's practice. What if she says she only likes you at a one? What's the proper way to react yes. then? You're so Not right. just giving him this scale then saying, okay, great, go for it. Like, no, 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 no. <laughs> you need to have contingency plans for probably every yeah. number. What does he do with that information? Such a good point. Because I thought, I mean, tell me what you think. I thought Dylan at first seemed a little put off. And then uh -huh. like the more they talked was like, oh, maybe not totally put off. Like, 
Yeah. yeah, she was like, oh, okay, I get it. But she definitely, when he first started talking, she was like, what? Yeah. And I think she just doesn't think about it so numerically. <laughs> but yeah. once she understood how Max was thinking about it, I, I don't know. I got the impression that she was kind of open to it. But yeah. him going away with, I can work with it too. Like, well, that's not a great, <laughs> a great attitude for him to have. No. Kind of a line. Yeah. I will say the way that Christina and Adam argue, like that last little clip you just played us. And then at the end, he's like, love you. She's like, love you too. I feel like that is so real. Yeah. <laughs> like, re- yeah. like it's definitely, they like half throw it away, but also are like checking in. Like we're still good, right? Yeah, we're still good. That is a good point. It's very, like a very naturalistic way of playing that. And I, I like it. It just seemed like very, I don't know, real. Well, and then in their last scene with Max, <laughs> I was just had Melissa on my shoulder the whole time. <laughs> and when he says, well, Max, women are mysterious creatures. Uh, <laughs> I was like, that does it. Melissa's going to hate this episode. <laughs> I didn't hate the episode, but I did hate that. He also could have so easily just changed it to people are mysterious mm-hmm. and yeah. their minds change and we don't always know why. And there's not always a clear reason. Like that's a great point. And it's something that's very hard for neurotypical people to understand, yes. let alone people on the spectrum. I literally wrote, Oh my God, women are not mysterious creatures. Adam. I, that is, that is what I wrote. Yeah. yeah. I mean, yeah. not any more so than like but, I said, people right. are mysterious. Yeah. Yeah, I did like, though, when they were helping Max come up with good qualities, because I'm like, well, highlighting your good qualities is, I think, not terrible advice, even though he got those from those books. (laughs) And then I I liked all the qualities they were saying. It seemed like actual good qualities of Max. And it was a nice moment of his parents to just sort of sit in all the things they like about their son. Which made me wonder, going back to what Sarah said earlier... Why would Christina simultaneously see all these beautiful things about her son and think that he'll never have a girlfriend? Yeah. I think it goes to you talking about how she does like to catastrophize. Like, I think it's a little bit of a personality trait for that character that she's just thinking about the worst, trying to like prevent the worst from happening. Yeah. Yeah. And if he, yeah, if she doesn't like him back, let's not encourage him. Let's prepare him for how to handle that, I think is maybe where she's thinking as opposed to what happens. Yeah, she's like that personality that's like always building the safety net, you know? Like always making sure that someone falls or, you know, I don't know. Well, yeah, her son got bullied once and she started a school for him. Yes. (laughs) That's I shouldn't say once. There were other instances, but just that one really bad one. Yeah. All right, got to start our own school. Yep. Not even that homeschool. Just we're going to open a new one ourselves. A whole school. A whole school. A yeah. Whole school yeah. Where no one's bullied ever. And she says that. Good luck. Yeah. Which is so admirable. But I'm like, kids going to be kids. Like. You can't I, promise that. You can't yeah. promise that. You can you can set up everything in place to try to keep that from happening. But yeah, it does seem like this is another instance of Christina trying to build the world for Max instead of try to have Max be adaptable to the world. I think Juliet said that once on a, an episode and I thought it's been in my head ever since. Yeah. And even if, I mean, this, this I think would be something that would be so hard about parenting. You have to let your kids experience 
adversity. Yeah. And like there's this psychologist who's written a few books I've read and he uses this term anti-fragile and he says it's it's not resilience. Resilience is something just withstanding damage, but they don't it doesn't get stronger. You know, you drop a glass and it shatters. You drop a plastic cup and it doesn't break, but it doesn't get stronger. And he said, there are certain things that need to be tested to get stronger, like your immune system. If you just stay in a bubble all the time, your immune system is not actually very strong because it hasn't been challenged. Or bones, if you like go to space and your bones aren't stressed, they just deteriorate. And he says, children are that way. They have to experience stress and pain in order to flourish. Not, oh, but I just think of my like nieces and nephews and like if anyone says anything mean to them at school, I can't take it. But like Max is going to have to get his heart broken because that's part yeah, of Yeah, heartbreak I think would be like the alive. hardest thing as a parent to witness. I think that's probably going to be one of the hardest. Oh. But everybody goes through it. You know, even if they are yeah. like 20 or I don't know, 23 and they have like some terrible breakup, you're still going to be like. Yeah. really hurting for them. Yeah. Well, and this is going to be such a general <laughs> sweeping generalization, but I don't wish that I hadn't experienced any of the heartbreak I've experienced, though I can see the impulse to want to shield your kids from that because I do remember how painful it is, but mm-hmm. I don't think I would appreciate what I have now as much right. if I hadn't gone through some of that. I think that if Mark were my first relationship... I might not understand how lucky I am, but of course there are exceptions to everything. Some people do marry their first love and it works out great for them. But me personally, I just wouldn't go back and erase it. I I don't ever wish I hadn't gone through that stuff. And I think it might just be hard for parents to see that because here's this person they love so much and we want only good things for you and not bad things. But sometimes those bad things shape us in really, like you were saying, Caleb, like in just incredibly important ways. Yeah. Yeah. And there's certainly limits the other way. Like no one should have their canteen peed in. No, like, that's not no. like, right. oh, Do great, what a great opportunity for no, growth. Like, no, 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 no. No, that's you should, too far. You should prevent that from happening yes. ever again. Agreed. Or like things that I imagine Victor has dealt with in his life. Yes. Like yeah. no person, let alone a child. Should have to be abandoned, and you definitely. Know. But but you teach everyone's going to get their heart broken. Yeah, well, so yeah. you teach high schoolers, and you can tell who's probably been through nothing. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know what happens versus who has had some hard times. I mean, there is a difference. <laughs> the people yeah. who have been through nothing are entitled and not very interesting. <laughs> like it's you know, I mean, I shouldn't say that about all my students are perfect. Um, no, <laughs> but no, it's like yeah, often the ones who. Who not only have been or have some, had no have no wants, right? If they've yeah. Never, if they want for nothing, right? It's just like a different. Yeah. You know? Exactly. No, you're you're so right, and and I do think it's interesting sometimes. Like people have these great, I think, impulses to give their kids everything, or like, I don't know. My my dad grew up poor, and he and his siblings have all kinds of character. And then, you know, I grew up poor. So I think I have a lot of character in that respect too. But it's interesting. Some of my cousins are rich. And it was like my my, my dad's siblings like wanted their kids to want for nothing. And then they wanted their kids to want for nothing. And it's like, but there's something really powerful about not getting everything you want Christmas morning, you know, like, like, 
I don't know, maybe that's a terrible thing to say. We act like the dream is to give our kids everything, but yeah. Or even just like lost a baseball game. You know what I mean? Like some yeah. kids have, like tried really hard for something and not gotten it, Yeah, you know, or just like worked hard at something and had it not work out for some people that takes longer in their life. And, but those are the kind of things that I think Christina is trying to prevent. Yeah. Remember um, that episode where Sydney couldn't lose? Like literally, like her parents had not taught her how. And I think this might be a Braverman thing too. Like let's just teach our kids their... <laughs> and like who are the most well-adjusted, interesting, you know, grandchildren? Probably Amber and Drew have been through it. Like they're just, just throwing yeah. that out there. I don't know. And Hattie, who's been through it <laughs> in a different way. Well, and who, not to go down this rabbit hole, but... When she started dating Alex, yeah. or when even before they started dating, just when they knew each other, that caused friction. The yeah. fact that she had had a very privileged life. That's true. And he hadn't. And neither one of those things is either one of those characters' faults. Right. And right. certainly for Hattie, it can feel like, well, you're attacking me for my privilege. And he wasn't. It, it's just going to feel that way because they've had different backgrounds and different experiences and yeah. It kind of woke her up a little bit to different kinds of experiences and lives that people had led, and it made her a wiser, more compassionate person, I think. And in his own way, I think the reverse was true for Alex, that he maybe had preconceived notions of her or people like her Yeah, that then got corrected for him as well. And I'm realizing Hattie liked, up. Hattie liked Alex's attitude, didn't she? <laughs> And then she liked him out of five. Just throwing that out there. <laughs> These things do change. Ugh. Well, I said that was my favorite storyline. So let's get on to all the crummier ones <laughs> in the episode. Interesting. We have the ongoing evolution of Julia and Chris. Yes. And I thought um, this is a little stray observation, but Adam coming out to talk to Chris in front of the house felt to me like such a Zeke move. I'm like, ah. I am watching the second generation of Zeke, of someone just coming out. He knows Julia doesn't want him to talk to him. Mm -hmm. He knows she doesn't want him to invite him into the barbecue. And he's just doing it anyway. And he's acting like, <laughs> oh, I'm just being a nice guy. And it's like, God, Adam is just going to become more and more like Zeke. <laughs> it's uh, unstoppable. I kind of did like that though. Like I, it, that felt like good natured ribbing to me, like, like not humiliating Julia or anything, but embarrassing Julia. He ran off with her illegal document That's <laughs> or true. whatever. That's true. It's like, I wonder if that was really important. I'm like, what if he, uh, you know, <laughs> dropped it in the punch bowl or something? I don't know. No, now someone's in prison because <laughs> right, they needed a basketball player. Um, yeah. you know, also though, yeah. what did you make of Chris in that whole situation? Like Chris wanted to be there. Right. Cause I thought he could have gotten out of that burger or out of that basketball game so easily. He was in the middle of a work day. He was dressed for work. Yeah. I was like, he could have used work as an excuse. Like, uh, sorry, sorry. I really have to go back. Here's your ball back. <laughs> I, so I took it as he wanted to worm his way. Oh, into... I think he wants to be part of that family. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah I just wanted I to be sure you. I was reading that. No, I think he was like telling Julia, like, I couldn't leave. That would be rude. But really, he was like, all right, a chance with the Bravermans. Yeah. I'm in. Yeah. And once you're in with them. What do you two think of Chris? 
You go, the Caleb. Cricket, I think the crickets maybe answered the question. I don't really have a feeling on him because I always feel like, when will Julia and Joel get back together? Yeah. <laughs> That's all it's, I want. I mean, yeah, I, it's hard for me to like him. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I suppose I'm appreciating that the show is fleshing him out a bit. Yeah. Because he was introduced so flatly. Yeah. Like, there wasn't a lot to him. And, and so to know that, like, well, he's really smitten mm-hmm. and can get along with the family and cares about that and gets along well with her kids and they think he's cool. And I'm like, okay, well, you're not a bad guy. I do think, though, like... And I mean, he's trying to turn her two into a five. Yeah, isn't he? <laughs> he is. That's a theme that I didn't even realize. And that's a like theme. a little manipulative. Like that feels like maybe too strong a word for it because it doesn't feel malicious, but it also yeah. feels like, well, the more caring thing to do would be like, let her bring you in. Because when Joel showed up, I really thought like, yeah, this is a big infraction on Julia's part, isn't it? Like if you, oh yeah, you can't, have someone hanging out with your children that you never I mean she's barely even told Joel didn't know who it was Yeah, he just knew that it was she was seeing someone yeah you can't do that and she didn't plan that yeah but like Adam and Chris could have been more sensitive to that's true when that happened the pizza scene made me sad yeah yeah with joel eating pizza with the kids i was like oh and they were like talking about all these great things about him and finally he's like let's just eat pizza you know? <laughs> actually the line that was really funny was like listen chris might be smart but baseball will always be america's <laughs> <laughs> the subtle beauty the subtle I, was like, of baseball. I was like wow That's- joel really got brainwashed by the braverman religion of baseball well, who knew? I didn't know he cared so much. This reminds me of when Dr. Joe was around and he had the more impressive tent. And I was like, oh, their tents are just like metaphors for who they are. Crosby has this banged up tent with like holes in it and shit. And like Chris is basketball. He's the flashier sport. And Joel is the subtle beauty of baseball. It's just <laughs> quiet and slow and, and steadfast. And yeah, <laughs> yeah. I just thought that oh, that's a good point. Thank it's you. totally metaphorical, but it was just really funny when he was like, well, whatever baseball's better and I'm eating pizza. Like <laughs> with the exception of your mom, lawyers are corrupt. So let's, <laughs> yeah, that's right. that was sweet. <laughs> I like that. He said with the exception of your mom. Um, yeah. Yeah. He I won't bash her in front of them. no, yeah, I, you know, to answer my own question earlier. Yeah, I wrote, what do you think of Chris? I wrote, Chris is perfectly fine. Why can't I get excited about him? Because because we're sad for Joel. Yeah, I think I just love Joel too much. And and yeah, there's there's something about Chris, like there's nothing wrong with him. But that doesn't mean there's anything like right, you know, like it's just he he's try as he might. He's perfectly handsome and he's perfectly kind. But like he's not Rachel. <laughs> That's you get right. That? I do. Was that some reference I don't get because I'm just a waitress? Sorry, that's a little. Yeah, for listeners, that's a friend's reference when Ross is making a pro con <laughs> list for Rachel and Julie, and the only con for Julie is that she's not Rachel, but he Aww. has a typo, and so he types Rachel. Yeah. Then, oh my god. But yeah, that's Chris. That's Chris's problem. Yeah, he's not Joel. Yeah. He's not Joel. Uh, and Joel. when Joel comes in, are you going to talk about this when he comes into the her office? Yeah. What did we yeah. think of that scene? Super tense conversation. And like, 
I'm thinking like, oh, they're actually being fairly mature about this. Like, he's like, why did you not tell me this? You know? And she's like, didn't mean to, whatever. But then he like really gives her that dig where he's like, whoever you're sleeping with this week. I was like, okay, Joel. Yeah. I I like you a lot, but that was pretty low. Yeah. And even though that felt kind of out of character for him, in one sense, I enjoyed seeing Joel be less than perfect just because he always is perfect. Yeah. And I'm like, well, no one is a complete angel, especially when they're angry or hurt. And then, but the whole scene was so awkward, like him coming to her turf and like, he can't even get in to see her without the gatekeeper letting him in. When that woman's like, like, Joel's here, Joel Graham. And she's like, yeah, (laughs) I know who Joel is. Yeah. Oh, man. Um, But that made me think of the time that she went to his work and he was furious about it. And so I wondered, is this hypocritical a little bit for you to have this conversation at work during the work day? Should you not have this? Although he did it in her office with the privately. Yeah, that's true. Not in front of her boss. Yeah, that is that is quite different. But I didn't even think of that. It's still an interesting point to raise. Yeah, I don't know. It was tense. What are you doing here? Great question. Um, Why don't you guess? Close the door, please. What are you doing? You're back with your uh, college sweetheart. I am seeing Chris. Yes, Mm -hmm. that is the person who I've been seeing. And I have a right to not feel bad about that. You have every right. What you do not have a right to do is to go around introducing our kids to whoever it is you feel like sleeping with that week. Joel, you are upset. And I understand that. Recognize that this was an accident. It was an accident. It was an accident. You you just accidentally invited him over to your brother's house and he was accidentally playing ball with our kids. Chris came over for a work thing. Adam wouldn't let him leave. A work thing at... An accident, and I had always intended to talk to you about this beforehand. So you were planning to talk to me? Yes. Great. If something like this was going to happen, I was going to talk to you. What do you mean, if something like this was... With the kids. So so you're saying this guy's going to be in our kids' lives? No, I I don't know. Because that's not a small thing. No, it's not a small thing, but I don't know. I don't know. I don't have to know. I'm just sorry that it went down this way. Come in. Your 2.30 just arrived. Great. We're just wrapping up. And I agreed with her insofar as like, yeah, she shouldn't have to feel bad about the relationship. But I think she was being a little disingenuous about like, well, he's mad that he was hanging out with your kids. Mm -hmm. And he has never even met the guy. Well, or maybe he has because once he saw him, he knew exactly who it was. Yeah. So there's clearly some history there. Yeah, he said something like your old college boyfriend or something. Yeah. Yeah. So he knows who Chris is and he didn't know that's who it was. And now knowing that, it makes me wonder, is that intentional that she never told him? Yeah. Did she know? (laughs) She's "Uh, smart. Yeah, she is smart. smart. She's no dummy. She's like, "Mm." yeah, she doesn't want to tell Joel that it's Chris. Well, now I want to know what the history there is, because the boyfriend, the ex-boyfriend that we knew that Joel didn't like was Tim. And to be really (laughs) honest with you, I kind of wish that's who she was dating, not because I loved that actor or anything. He was only in one episode in season one. But like, that would just be interesting because we know Joel straight up hates him. And so we had that like reference. That would have just been interesting to revisit. This guy. And he didn't like him because he said he tried to steal you away from me. Yeah. And now if it was really happening again. Yeah. Wouldn't, oh, yeah. Wouldn't that be interesting? 
But like this guy, they like invented a backstory for, I mean, <laughs> they invented a backstory yeah. for Tim as well because it's all made up. Um, but, but, you what? know, <laughs> but like we didn't hear about him until, you know, like here we season are. Season six. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Possibly season five because she was telling Sarah how many people she'd slept with and one was named Chris, but different last name. Anyway, very controversial. We'll talk. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. But like. If Joel knew who that was, is it because he's seen pictures of, like, her in past relationships? Or is it because they'd met and there's, like, bad blood, you know? And that would be interesting, like, to know the difference. Like, why did he know exactly who that was? Um, Is it just no big deal? Like, oh, I recognize that guy. Or is it, like, that son of a bitch, you know? I just, I wish we knew. I think that would be interesting. I also, speaking of wish we knew... I wish I knew why Joel wants Julia back. Yes. <laughs> and I mean that I mean that in a shallow way and in a deep way. The funny way is like, Joel, she's no prize. <laughs> like, move on. You're better than she is. <laughs> but the deeper level is, like I said before, Joel clearly has had some change of heart between season five when he was the one asking for time and distance. And now this season when he... He seems to be over whatever it was that he was upset about. Yeah. And yet he will not just come out and say, I'm over what I was upset mm-hmm. about. I want to be back together. Even before he knew she was with someone, he yeah. wasn't saying that. I just find that confusing. I would understand if Julia had been asking for that distance and he felt like, well, can I can I ask the person asking for space to get close again? Yeah. But that's not what's happening like i feel like he instituted this change he is at liberty to say i'm ready to change back but he's not and i'm just like i said before i feel like the show is keeping them apart against their will i also think it would have made sense if joel realized that he wanted her back after seeing her with chris and then didn't feel right saying anything like oh god now that she's happy i realize what i've given mm-hmm. up but yeah. it would be a real dick move to say something because I'm the one who started all this. But yeah, you're right. Since he knew, like, we saw him have feelings before he even knew she was in a relationship. It just makes me wonder, yeah, what what the hell? Like, why put us through that last season and give us really good reasons why Joel was over it? Julia has changed not at all. <laughs> We've talked about yeah. that. She's she exactly the grown. same. Mm-mm. I mean, other than sleeping with two more men. <laughs> True. She hasn't changed at all. And she went back to work. Yeah. Although I still think, it, yeah, it's not okay to say who you're sleeping with this week. But you know what? I don't think Joel even knew yeah, about Evan Knight. I don't think she knew that he knew that she had a one night stand. And for all he knows, this is the only person she's been with. And, and even if it isn't, don't. Don't slut shame people. You, you wanted a separation. I will say this was kind of the the most annoyed I've been with Joel maybe ever this episode. Yeah. I, I didn't like that he showed up at her work. And I also thought it was, and of course I don't have kids. So th- it would be interesting to hear Sarah, you know, expound more on this. But I just thought, well, it, was, it wasn't like she intended them to meet. I felt the same way when I think mm-hmm. it was like, Crosby's one night stand Sandy met Jabbar and Jasmine was pissed and I'm like well oh, yeah. but he did she did you know he didn't know she was going to show up I I do think like sometimes people hold people responsible for things that they couldn't have necessarily predicted and I think that's I don't know I thought Joel was being kind of harsh with her for something that is like well they met I'm sorry like but I've yeah. never had to co-parent with someone I don't know I, that'd be hard I think his hurt was justified for sure because like 
you would want to have that conversation before it happened, you know? Yeah. But I don't think she didn't mean to do it. Yeah. And I kind of got the impression that he didn't believe her. Like, sure, Uh, it was an accident. Like, I think he was kind of like, really? Like, damn. How accidental was it that they just, you just had a barbecue that he just, you know, because when she was like, we had to do a work thing. He's like, really? (laughs) You know, over at your brother's house? Like, you know. That so is, that's true. That is a I good think point. it was kind sound of, real. It does. He was kind of like, okay, Julia, you know, kind of like how we're all like, where's this random barbecue? <laughs> <laughs> it also is making me realize that I really wish the show hadn't cut away from the barbecue when they did, because Joel showed up. Was he invited? Was he always going to be there? Or was that a surprise? Was he supposed to pick up the kids to go get pizza? Is that the same day? Or is that a different day? Oh, maybe. Oh. That pizza right happened. from the barbecue. But why they just had barbecue? That's, why do they need pizza? Yeah. Those kids are hungry, I guess. Or the next day, maybe? I don't know. That was yeah. weird. Yeah. And then once he saw them, I mean, I remember thinking this in the moment. Once Julia realizes that Joel sees what's happening, like Julia, go over there and immediately explain. Yeah. I did not intend for this to happen, and I'm really sorry. I think that would I mean count for something. Yeah. It would have. And did she not talk to him at all? I mean, they cut away, so I don't know. And then did Chris see Joel? If they know each other, wouldn't Chris be like, oh, yikes, I got caught with my hand in the cookie jar or something. I don't know. <laughs> I don't think they talked about it at all. Because when Joel walked in the office, he's like, take a guess why I'm here. You know, I think yeah. they just didn't yes, even. Yes, very good point. I don't think they talked about it yet. I think they, that was it. And that's where they're both like not being very, like not communicating very well. Well, like, you said, like, why won't Joel just say want to be back? Like, they're not communicating very which, well. Yeah, which it's means, never been their way. Which means that the very things that caused Joel to want to leave still exist for them. None of it's been fixed. I don't know why he suddenly wants her back to just get into the exact same relationship they've always had. But maybe I would believe that he realized that he loves her more than he was ever an annoyed by it. Like if they would just say that, you know, I, I would believe yeah. he's saying, you know what? It's our way and our way sucks, but our way is also, <laughs> I can't live without it as it turns out. Yeah. Like, you know, some speech like that, that'd be good. I don't know. <sighs> Caleb rolled his eyes for those of you. <laughs> I did. <laughs> you know what? Audio description. Of, yeah. You know what I say about Joel? Men are mysterious creatures, all right? We don't we don't know <laughs> what they're thinking. Can't understand them. <laughs> so. Irrational, hysterical. <laughs> yeah, all the words uh, for men. <laughs> yeah. I love it. Oh. Speaking of storylines that they did on Friends. <laughs> <laughs> remember when Rachel went on a date and then told the guy she was pregnant? Oh, my and God. Then he ditched oh, her. And wow. she's like, oh, I guess this just did one more thing in my life that's totally changed. Yeah, the exact same story. That is wild. I totally forgot that, but you're so right. Wow. Anyway, I do remember her distinctly saying, wow, I guess it's just one more thing in my life that's now totally different. I'm like, yes, that is the conflict just baldly stated (laughs) (laughs) with no subtlety or nuance. Just that's it. We've only got 22 minutes. Let's just say what the conflict is. She didn't give her weed to anybody. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, here there was a little more. But um. I thought they laid out the conflict in an interesting way. And I thought this was a great episode for Drew. Oh, it was. Well, it's hard for me to admit this, but you were right about the Griffin situation. What happened? We just like went on our first date and it was so fun. And now I like him. Yeah, like you want to see him again? Yeah, like I want to 
I want to keep hanging out, and I just, I don't know what to do. You gotta just tell him. Right? Yeah, I know, like, eventually, but, I mean, it just seems silly to, like, cut something off at the past, just, you know, without even knowing what it is first. I you mean, don't like... really know if you're cutting it off. I mean, the thing is, if it keeps going on, and then you tell him, it's gonna seem like you were lying the whole time. And you have no idea how he's going to react to it. He could be totally fine with it. And you guys could keep seeing each other and see if it's, like, you know, going to actually go somewhere. Yeah. But if you actually like him, then he should know. Yeah, you're right. I find this a very tough conflict because I feel like there is nothing wrong with Amber being pregnant and wanting to date. And yet I feel like everyone would suspect news like that to end a prospective relationship. And it doesn't feel right or good, but it feels kind of obviously true. Yeah. And I thought Drew's advice was reasonable, but to that end, like a little naive. Like, come on, Drew. He's right that she doesn't know how he's going to react. But can't she predict? Like, and But she does. It's exactly yeah. what happens. Yeah. And, uh, uh, I don't, but I also think it's true. Like, well, the solution is not just don't tell him either. Like, that's not right. I don't know. I just, this was one where I thought there really wasn't a clear, well, I was about to say there was no clear right or wrong, but maybe there was. I think he had to say that. Like, you have to be encouraging. Like, maybe. Yeah. <laughs> it's like Adam you know? telling Max that maybe. That, maybe that too will be a five. <laughs> maybe you telling her. Him that you're pregnant won't make his five a two, but it did. Um, but it yeah. did. But it did. I mean, yeah, I think you couldn't say like, you know, if she knew that it would end it, she might not tell him, which really is the wrong thing, I feel like, yeah. if we're talking about right and wrong, like yeah. to just yeah. not share that information. Yeah. So if, you know, Drew was probably like, I know you, and maybe if the, you think it might work out, you'll really say something. Ooh. I don't know. It was uncomfortable. But that little clip you just played was another great example of how they're both two really good actors because just written on the page, that might have been pretty boring, but they did it so great. That's yeah. true. That's a good point. Yeah. And I love how he's younger, but is sometimes her voice of reason. Mm -hmm. And then in other situations, like when he was going last season with all his never ending stuff with Natalie, yeah. she was often his voice of reason. Yeah. And yeah. I was like, that feels very true. Like the siblings know when they need to play the role. And it's not that one of them is smarter than the other. But they know like, oh, it's my turn yeah. to, to be your, you know, the angel on your shoulder. I love yeah, that. Yeah, they're another good, like, real sibling relationship in this show, I feel like. A yeah. natural, the way things really work oh. with siblings. Good siblings. Siblings that get along. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Functional. Yes. <laughs> I kept going back and forth on what I thought the right thing to do was, and I agree that, like, ultimately you can't continue a relationship with a person and keep this from them. But I actually... I could be easily talked out of this, by the way. But my my current thought is that I don't think she did anything wrong by not telling him before their first date. Like going to the dog park. Totally. Like a very casual afternoon mm -hmm. date. I don't think she has to tell him that first. But I think she picked the right time. Like they kiss and she's like, you know, he didn't come inside. They didn't like sleep together. Like it didn't go to like a real serious place. And I, I think... You know, in a way, I think it's nice to to wait and see if you have any chemistry at all. Like, 
maybe you don't even need to tell him because maybe their date is a bust and then she doesn't want to see him again and she had a nice date and she didn't tell a near stranger something real personal about herself. But you can't take it very much farther than that without telling him. I agree with you there. And it's it's funny. It reminded me of an incident when I was doing... Um, Maybe it was sexual harassment training. I oh, forget yeah. exactly what it was. Oh, yeah, you did that in high school, but, yeah? Oh, no, this was me as an employee oh, for Disney gotcha. oh. in the basement of the, in the lower lobby of the New Amsterdam Theater on Broadway. Wow. With a whole bunch of other Disney employees, and it's like their mandatory, you know, training that you have to go through. And this one dancer guy got in like an argument with the person leading the training because they were <laughs> discussing some hypothetical in which uh, a woman in a show, an actor was pregnant. And does she need to disclose that to the people she works with? Interesting. And what they were saying policy wise is no, she doesn't. That's her, her business. business. It's no one else's business. And the guy was like, yeah, but if I'm her dance partner, and if I could hurt her and hurt the baby, then I need to know. And the it started off like huh. calmly, the person, the the leader saying, actually, she doesn't. I mean, she's an adult and she can assess that risk, however real or imagined it might be for <laughs> herself. Yeah. And if she wants to tell you, she will. And if she doesn't, she doesn't have to. She doesn't owe you. He's like, well, but if I'm going to be liable for causing injury to her unborn baby and they're like well that's a separate issue than whether she needs to disclose it and you could feel the whole room being like guy just drop it don't you understand like you're here to be trained yeah and they're telling you what the right answer is <laughs> just accept you're not gonna get the leader Change of this the course policy. to be like <laughs> yeah oh you know what you're right <laughs> she does have to tell you so that you feel comfortable um but anyway, that's like the opposite of this, though, because I, I agree with you. Like, I don't think Amber has to disclose that immediately to anyone right, she me. interacts with. <laughs> they bump into each other and spill the coffee and she's like, I'm pregnant. I'm pregnant. <laughs> yeah. Everyone needs to know. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But in terms of forging a relationship. Yeah. I think like Drew says, the longer you go without saying something, if they were to stay together, it's going to be revealed eventually. And the later it is revealed, the more it seems like she was lying or keeping mm -hmm. something or yeah. deceiving. So I think the courteous thing to do or the, the forthright thing to do is. <laughs> but guess like in a legal sense. She's certainly not required to. No, it's just if she wants anything out of the relationship. It's like, yeah, it's yeah. kind of like what Drew said. Like, do you really like him? If you do, then you probably. Right. And if they weren't going to go out again. Yeah. Leave it alone. Yeah. He doesn't need to know. Uh, but I did. I felt bad for everybody because I don't know. I wondered, like, are we supposed to not like this guy for like immediately like retreating into the night um like is he a jerk for doing the i'll call you bit or is it like that's what most people would do like this is brand new you're not going to raise a child with someone but I, I just thought it was so quick you know like if he likes her you could have a conversation about like well what's that like for you gosh you know i mean like even just being a supportive person if you're like you know i think that's too heavy for me i don't think I don't think I can be in a relationship with someone who's going to have a baby. I'm so sorry. Just the I'll call you thing. 
I wondered, like, I, I don't know how, to what extent we're meant to judge him or that I do judge him. Do you think he's him. not going to call? I'm <laughs> kidding. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, but you know what I mean? Like, I just wondered, what's the audience's reaction supposed to be? Do we just think, yeah, that's what would happen? Or do we think he's a jerk? Or are we just, I don't know. I wondered that. You're making me realize that I was evaluating it in an unrealistic way. Oh, yeah? Because if someone actually did that that quickly, yeah, I think I would be like, oh, come on, dude. You could be a little nicer about it. Yeah. I was interpreting it as like shorthand for what we all know was going to happen. Yeah. And well, the story the show is telling is that this isn't going to go anywhere because she's pregnant and that's too much for him. And so they're just cutting right to the chase. Yeah. 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 In real life, though, I would want, like, can there be a little more discussion or, like... Or just a little more gentleness? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Because I didn't fault him. Yeah. But if that literally happened in real life, I would. Yeah. I mean, he was so willing to be understanding when he thought her reason for not drinking was AA. And, I and like, I just think... Yeah, that's kind of surprising, too. Like, yeah, wow. like, that seems just as heavy, just in a different way, than expecting a baby. And, like... I don't think someone you've gone to the dog park with one time is trying to lure you into the apartment and be like, raise the baby with me. Right. Like, like, yeah, it's not like she's asking anything of him. She's just letting him know. And of course it's awkward, but he seemed interested in her. I just, I just thought it was kind of a jerk move for him to immediately be like, see ya. Um, <laughs> but I, I guess you're right. Like, Maybe the story fulfilled its purpose, he retreats. But in real life, I would find that terrible. I would be like, you know, you could even have the same end result. That's too much for me without stammering all over yourself and blurting <laughs> out a cliche and just running away. So whatever. Did you like yeah, it? I keep asking if, if I people were, like If them. I were Amber, I would feel like I had a mark upon me. Yeah. Um, I did like him. Yeah. He seemed fine. I thought he was fine. Kind of yeah. like how you felt about Chris and like, he's yeah. fine. He's okay. Yeah. I liked that there was a love interest who wasn't like stereotypically drop dead gorgeous. Yeah. Thought he was very cute, but it, it seemed more personality driven. Yeah. I was just think back to like the other men Amber has dated <laughs> and it's like Matt Loria, who's just like chiseled and <laughs> gorgeous or like that drummer who looks like a model. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I'm like, Oh, this is like someone I think she might actually date. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like, like very cute, certainly attractive, but not like, wow. Amber bagged her a cover boy. <laughs> yeah. I think that might've been another reason why I was kind of surprised. Like, Casting is so interesting, even for a small guest role like that guy. If they'd cast someone more stereotypically, like, what if Matt Loria wasn't Ryan, the father of her baby, but was the guest star for this episode and play? You know, I could just believe some hunky dude being like, "Y'all call you," you know, bye. But like, this guy seemed like he had more depth. But maybe that's what's interesting is you can't tell these things, or maybe we are sort of meant to think, yeah, we don't know. Maybe he will have a different reaction and then it's meant to surprise us. I I don't know. Just wondered that. Well, last but not least, I think this wins the award for storyline I completely forgot, which is, <laughs> is Crosby having a midlife crisis? 
You might be. I mean, it all starts with. (laughs) You forgot this. (laughs) I forgot this completely. I remembered the motorcycle accident. Oh, okay. That was all. I didn't remember Jasmine preventing him from riding the bike. Honey, Jasmine. Yes, my love. Who, Who did this? I did. You did this? Yeah. It's for your own good. Oh, I think I know what's good for me. And really? what's good for me is be able to ride my motorcycle whenever I choose to. <laughs> I'm a grown man. I think I can make that decision. Baby, you're not acting like yourself right now. Okay, okay? well, so I definitely just... feel like myself. Myself wants to take a ride on the motorcycle. Very consistent with who I am. Okay, well, until you slow down and tell me what's going on with you, you're not riding the Great. motorcycle. I'll tell you right now. What? Nothing going on with me. Other really? than wanting to take a ride on a motorcycle that I own. Well, I'm sorry. You can't do that right now. Give me one good reason why I can't ride my motorcycle. I'll give you two. Jabbar and Aida. Oh, you're going to pull the kid cart. Just did. And you're going to be able to go to sleep tonight on that? Love you. This was so TV, because this is a horrible way to go about this issue in real life. Yeah. And I also was struck, I think because I was imagining how much Melissa would hate several things in this episode. (laughs) I thought, boy, if you reversed the genders in this situation Mm. and have the husband telling, here's what you're going to do because you're acting crazy. Yeah. I was like, Melissa's head would have exploded. Yeah. But (laughs) I think also because it was Jasmine, I still found it pretty entertaining (laughs) when he's like, you're pulling the kid card. Just did. (laughs) And then he's like upset. She's like, love you. I also did appreciate that she revealed that it wasn't just, I don't want you riding the motorcycle, but that she is noticing a larger issue with his like behavior that yeah. is concerning to her. And she said, like, basically, you can ride it again when you tell me what's going on with you. Mm-hmm. So that it wasn't like a total embargo. It was a, this is a Band-Aid for something and I need to know for what. Yeah. I'm like, well, that's legit. I still don't think sneak the lock on the bike when he's not there. Putting a boot on the bike. (laughs) Yeah. It seemed very like, from what I remember of parenthood and all, very Jasmine thing to do. Just like (laughs) a decision has been made. Yes. End of discussion. This is what we're doing. Nope, nope. I am more mature than you and we are not riding motorcycles in this house. Like, I think she just kind of does that sometimes. Yeah. I also was like laughing to myself because... Every once in a while, I listen to Dax Shepard's podcast, and he really does, like, ride motorcycles and love cars and, like, uh-huh. has some of these own issues in his own marriage. So I just love <laughs> That is interesting. The little daredevil side of it might be something he asked for. I don't know. You know, Sarah, you just said something. <laughs> it ended up making me travel down a road that's maybe going to blow my mind. Um <laughs> Here, here it is, because um, I almost made just a throwaway joke about, wow, yeah, can you believe that he was worried that Jasmine would be so controlling and that's why he freaked out and slept with Gabby and they didn't get married initially? And then I'm like, maybe the reason that I found Crosby really annoying the last couple of seasons is because they did get married and instead of it being what I remembered from when I originally watched Parenthood as being such a good thing that they got married and it was like beautiful and and they love each other. Maybe I'm like, oh, he was right the first time and not because there's something wrong with Jasmine, but maybe he sensed what their dynamic would be and he sabotaged it. And then of course, since he felt so bad about betraying someone, because he shouldn't have done that, but maybe he just should have broken up with her back then instead of sleeping with Gabby and starting like, them down do you know what I mean like he shouldn't have hurt her obviously right 
but I, I, it just makes me wonder if they're just incompatible and maybe she just would have let her be with Dr. Joe. Like maybe she would have been happier. She would have certainly been happier. She certainly would have been like, and Dr. Joe's not just recklessly riding his motorcycle around. I don't know. I just, I never really thought about this before. Like maybe the show made a mistake, but I am wondering that because I don't think it's good that he uses words like castrated talking about (laughs) his relationship. And I don't even know whose fault that is. I think maybe it's both of their fault because they are both just like, I don't know. What do you think, Sarah? You made an interesting face. It's the I wanna... same man who said kissy, kissy down south like 15 minutes ago. <laughs> <laughs> so, I'm just saying. Yeah, uh, yeah, true. Maturity level might not be like, but I think that's like a little bit the trope with that character a little bit. Yes. Like sometimes he doesn't get as, he's had some complexities throughout the show, but They sometimes let him be a little bit the dumb man a little bit. Yeah. And I think Jasmine sometimes, her character, like if it was a foil or whatever, I think she's like makes that a little worse sometimes or like puts a finer point on that because she'll be like very mature and makes really responsible decisions. And so he is like, what an idiot, you know? Yeah. But I don't know. I just thought this, it was, to me, it was a little funny and I was like just taking it as a little bit of a, relief thread through the show a little bit but if you think about it too hard you're like i don't know what man would be excited to walk out and see a boot on his vehicle right yeah i don't think that would go over so well (laughs) well you know melissa i kind of had a similar thought to you i didn't go quite as far down the path but like when when sarah said well that seems very in in keeping with jasmine like she has something she wants to do and she's just gonna do it like well that's a very braverman-esque trait yeah because True. that's what Adam did yeah. in the, like, well, here's the discussion I want to have. I'm not going to consult Christina. About yeah. It. And that's and then what Julia said, does. Well, Julia does that. But I'm like, well, Crosby does it too. And so Julia and Adam both marry kind of meek, mild people. Yeah. Crosby did not. Yeah. <laughs> and point. that is kind of a combustible situation. And they do have maybe the the most <laughs> combustible it's volatile. Of, it's like a volatile yeah. relationship. I mean, it's also like really passionate. Yeah. But it's yeah. also like volatile. It does make me wonder in real life how long would they actually stay together or why are they together? And I do think on a purely like storytelling level, I remember it's thinking this when they got back together and got married. I thought, might it be more interesting for variety's sake on the show to have parents who are not together? Yeah. Because, I mean, we have Sarah, but Seth is not a character on the show. Right. No. occasionally drops in. If Jasmine remained a character on the show and we had to watch them co-parent while maybe Jasmine did go get married to Dr. Joe. And yeah. now there's this whole other tangential family involved. Yeah. And what about kids that she would have that are Jabbar's siblings? So Crosby has a relationship there, but they're not his kid. I mean, I, it would have opened up a lot of ways for the story to go that I think would have been more interesting than, oh, Crosby's a man child and Jasmine's his long suffering nag of a wife. Yeah. Like, right. Like, that's not all that interesting. We have shows about that. We have yeah. so many shows about that. They're all really bad sitcoms and it's just really what they have been reduced to and it I, I don't care for it. I, what did I write? I wrote, 
I am truly so over the wives as nags trope that Zeke and Crosby buy into. It, it, this was another one of those episodes for me where I'm like, what are you doing? Like, you're both married to wonderful people. I'm so annoyed with you both acting like it's the worst thing in the world. And while I agree that Jasmine handled that badly, they're both handling it badly is the thing. Like, they're not really very good communicators either. Why doesn't Jasmine just wait for Crosby to get home sometime, like on his motorcycle or whatever, and say, could we have a conversation about the motorcycle? Like, even when she brings up the kids, I hate the expression, you played the blank card. I think that is a stupid expression. But I kind of got why he said that, because she doesn't elaborate she just names her their children. Like, <laughs> what is making her worried? You know, she says several things, but she doesn't tie the thread together. Instead, she does this, like, drastic action. What if she just, like I said, he comes home and she says, you're not acting like yourself, and then gives examples of what she means by that, and just says, I am so worried that you're going to get in another accident, only this mm-hmm. time it's going to be worse. And what if you hit your head and I'm taking care of you and our children and our children don't have a father like elaborate i know what? you wouldn't want that you yeah know. yeah like reason with him talk to him like an adult and not like a child because it's like she's taking away his toy right yeah or even just admitting i'm scared yes yeah. vulnerability yeah. yeah 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 i thought the um crosby and zeke framing their day out as a chance to get away from their ghastly wives was another Beyond that framing of it, I thought it was a really sweet thing. Um, Crosby and Zeke yeah. came together. Yeah. That was a good scene. Oh, well, Crosby genuinely loves his dad and enjoys yeah. spending time with him. And I also thought, like, someone who has Zeke's best interest at heart, but with a different bedside manner than Camille, yeah. could be a nice change of pace yeah. for Zeke. And I, I really found um, Crosby ducking out of the room after Zeke's little spill. I thought that was so touching mm-hmm. and such a great way of showing how well Crosby knows his dad Yep, and knows he wouldn't want him to see that. No. Nope. So I was really wondering, especially at the end here in this scene, I'm like, is Crosby having a midlife crisis? It sure seems like it. Like, it seems like it's almost an existential kind of how did I get to this point in my life? And I was really looking forward to the great advice that Zeke was going to give him. And then I feel like it didn't really make any sense to me. Yeah. It's just been one crappy thing after another. You know, these artists, they're not artists, they're babies. They're, they're All of them are self-destructive babies with zero conscious. They just, they can't wait to stab you in the back. Oliver Rome, he's gone. We have no money now coming into the luncheonette. So, you know, Adam and I are scrambling, and then when I get home, Jasmine is like, where have you been? How long have you, you're gonna be out next time? You know, what, what are you riding a motorcycle? And it just it doesn't end. And then Jamar is, he's so sweet. I love him so much, but you know, every time I walk in the door, it's, we gotta go to the trampoline thing. We gotta go to see a movie, gotta go, go play catch. I can barely play with him, you know, cause I fractured these two ribs. And speaking of which, you know, I. I go to the doctor and the guy says, you know, it's going to take a while at your age to heal. And yeah. I was like, at my age, hold it's going to Hold on, hold on, hold on, How'd you fracture your ribs? I got in a, a, a small motorcycle thing, you know, like a, just a, it's not a big deal. Don't, you don't look at me like that. Don't be on her side, because that's all I got left is that motorcycle. No, I know what it's like, though. You got a house full of kids, you got no money coming in, and you feel like, uh, you're in the middle of things, and, and you're being pushed and pulled in different directions. Exactly. 
Well, you gotta, you gotta try to enjoy it, son. You know, have a little fun and scare the bear. Just goes by fast. What? I don't get it. Do you get Did it, Did Zeke say it goes by fast? Yes. Yes. That I yeah. understand. I get that. I don't get scare the bear. And I get I think, that that ties to the yeah. bear story. What is that a metaphor I think for? it was about being a dad. Mm. Right? I think the scare the bear was about, because that's what he did for his kids, you know, scared the bear away on the trip and acted like acted like he knew how it was going to work out even when inside he did not. There it is. That's good. No. Sarah. How it's going to work out, right? Th- I think. Thank you. <laughs> This is why we have you on a third time. Yes. Yeah. We didn't know. Yeah. But that that's it. That makes sense. I think. And it's hard to hear. Like, I think there was a little bit of Zeke. Like, those days are so hard, but I also miss them, you know, which is hard to hear when you're in it. People say that to people with kids all the time. Like, oh, my gosh, you're running around. You're so busy. And I know that's so crazy, but like, you're going to miss it. You're going to be like weren't those the fun days when we were like going to the ballpark every weekend and what, you know, yeah, running to piano lessons and whatever. Like, I think he was trying to tell him like, yeah, it is stressful. You're responsible for a lot. Like you're trying to provide for your family and it's hard, but it's going to go away. Like it won't, it won't be like this always. So, you know, well, that's good advice. Yeah. <laughs> I always, I mean, it's, it's something I honestly feel like I learned through this podcast that felt like therapy, which is, so many feelings when you're in them feel like they will last forever. Yeah, that's true. And you'll do anything to stop them. Yeah. And you just have to remind yourself it's temporary. Yeah. Like if you're feeling depressed, you will not be depressed forever. And if you're feeling stressed, you will not be stressed forever. And if you're feeling happy, you will not be happy forever either. Like it's all going to change. And that makes sense, especially with parenting. When you, when you feel like it's all on you, you know? Yeah. And when, when you have work stress and you come home and your family life's not great, like that is a yeah. bad feeling. Yeah. I think yeah. like all of us can relate to that where you're like, but this crap's going on at work. And now you're mad at me about something. Like I can't, I can't, I can't have like both things. Like I'm gonna, you know, I'm of two minds right now because part of me thinks that Zeke's advice would be more powerful if he weren't also sniping at his wife yes. and ignoring her and being like, like when hanging she's up on hanging up on her and when she's like, well, you've got four pills you're supposed to take. He's like, I'll be home when I'm home. I'm like, well, why don't you just take the pills with you? If you, whatever, I don't know. Like, like she's not the enemy. She's trying to keep you alive. Right. And I think <sighs> fucking nag. I'm kidding. <laughs> Such a nag. Such a nag. Once you around. But I just feel like what if Zeke, who had previously taken his wife for granted to the extent that he cheated on her, what if they played this differently? And instead of him being so annoyed with her for driving slowly or like doing whatever annoying thing she's doing, quote unquote, what if he played it, the show played it, like he's just grateful. He's like at the end of his fucking life and his wife loves him. She didn't leave like he thought she might. What if he was like, I wasted so much time not appreciating exactly what I have. I'm, you know, like, I think that would be really interesting mm-hmm. to see. Yeah. And then it would be really interesting advice to watch Crosby 
totally taking his life for granted. And then when he's like, try to enjoy it, scare the bear, I think I'd maybe get it a little faster because I'm like, well, Zeke, you try to enjoy it. Like, I, I don't know. Like there's take some of this advice yourself. You're at the end of your life. You're an old man who's making some of the same mistakes you've always made. And then at the end of the episode, when, when Jasmine is picking them up, even though Zeke is sober and Crosby is drunk, I'm like, well, they're kind of in a similar position, you know, like suddenly it's Jasmine and Zeke talking to each other. Like, yeah, we're both worried about him. And it's like, I'm worried about you still, Zeke. Like you're, yeah, Ze- you well, have also four the- pills to take that you haven't. I don't know. Yeah. And Zeke was there enabling yeah. all of Crosby's yes. behavior. I was confused by that too. I'm like, is Crosby an alcoholic? Yeah, like, that is wasn't- that what this is showing? Because because Zeke needed someone else to drive, I'm like, well, they're both ditched with no way to get home. So even though Zeke is sober, it's like, yeah, you guys are in the same boat though. It also makes me realize, like, much in the same way that I think someone who loved motorcycles would be kind of a deal breaker for me because I just have a fear of that. Mm -hmm. If I ever had to go get someone because they were drunk, I am not going to spend my life with that person. Wow. Absolutely not. That has never been part of the fabric of my life. And it's not going to become it now. It just, nope. It's a deal breaker for Caleb. It is. If you cannot take care of yourself in that way, be of sound mind, then sorry. Yeah. That sounds really harsh. I just read Matthew Perry's memoir. Oh. This like very sensitive memoir about addiction and how it takes over. So I don't mean to say that it's just, you know. Well, neither one of them is That shows weakness of character. Yeah. In Crosby's case, I actually think it maybe it does because I don't think he's an alcoholic. No, I I think think he he just just made a really bad choice here. Coping badly. Yeah. Yeah. Zeke is like, and Zeke is coping badly too. Like neither yeah. one of them, that neither one of them are showing much maturity in this episode. Right. I understand that Zeke is like feeling the loss of like the treadmill moment. And like, he's definitely feeling weak, which we know his whole thing is about strength. Virility. So, <laughs> yeah. Yes. Yeah. That virility could just pop out when I'm reading. Yeah. Yeah. You know, when yeah. you least expect it. That's right. Or As it could, could abandon Crosby's you. Crosby's ribs. Yeah. And Crosby's <laughs> ribs. So, but I just think Zeke is like not, I don't know. He seems like a stereotypical, like he doesn't show any vulnerability almost ever. Yeah. Yeah. He'll, he'll coach the rest of them just to your point, Melissa, like he'll tell, he'll tell Crosby how to act, but he can't go do that. He can't talk to his yeah. own wife that way. Yeah, And I mean, we've met num- numerous people like that, right? I mean, yes. especially of yep. his generation where I'm like, yeah, you can speak about this to me, but you can't act like that yourself. That would be way too difficult. Yeah. Come on, guys. Be best. <laughs> I I do think, though, it's worth, yeah, trying to examine it. Like, you're so right, Sarah, that he doesn't want to be weak. That treadmill moment, I haven't mentioned it, but you both have, and it got me too. I thought that was really powerful. I, I hope they do more with that in future episodes because, Caleb, when you kept asking, like, what's happening to Crosby? Is he having a midlife crisis? I wrote that in my notes. I was like, what is happening? Like, when Jasmine says, you're not acting like yourself, you know, I wrote, what is Crosby's deal? Is it worry over losing his dad? Is it fear of his dad's mortality? You know, and and obviously he's also stressed about work and everything, but 
I don't think midlife crises happen just because people reach a certain age, right? There's got to be like something going on inside. And so is all of this just his fear of losing his dad? And his his dad is also scared of dying. And they're both just handling it by being as much... Clinging to their childhoods? Yeah, being as in denial as they possibly can be and acting like they're very reasonable wives who are worried for their health and safety they're the ones with the problem, not them. And they're behaving perfectly normally. Maybe that's, maybe that's it. I don't know. Well, here's something strange. While I'm confused by what's going on, like why Crosby is behaving the way he is, I actually kind of love it Mm -hmm. as a storyline because TV and this show in particular, there's always a precipitating event. It's like, well, this is happening because of this. Mm -hmm. And they usually make it very clear. Yeah. And I sort of like the idea of Crosby's conflict this season perhaps being something internal Mm -hmm. and something kind of vague and undefined because I feel like that happens in my life where I'll just go through phases where I'm like, I am in a funk and I cannot figure out exactly why. And I can't point to one thing like, well, this started it and this Mm -hmm. is the reason. So I find that interesting, but it's confusing to watch Mm -hmm. also. And then the fact that I don't remember any of this yeah. is also interesting because I'm like, is is it going to click in at some point? Is it going to lead to somewhere where I go, oh, right, this. And I don't know. Maybe it we'll doesn't. See. Maybe that's why you didn't remember it because it was just sort of a weird. Maybe. But it is something I believe would happen. Like Crosby does have, I think back to him in like season one, even in the pilot, especially when he didn't even know about Jabbar. Mm-hmm. Right. What was his life? Those yeah. five years ago where he just worked in a recording studio and lived on the houseboat and went to his parents' house to get his laundry done. And Party. that was it. And now he co-owns a business, which is floundering. Yeah. And his father is struggling to stay alive. And he and his wife are bickering and he has two mouths to feed. And yeah, that's a lot. Mm-hmm. And he doesn't get to cope in the way that he used to because even that affects the people depending on him like you can't just go for a ride and blow off some steam because maybe it's really dangerous yeah and you're not just risking your own life you're you are risking your kids' future yeah it does make me wonder if he has any healthy outlets because when he couldn't ride the motorcycle then he drove the car really fast and got drunk you know and i'm like does he not play racquetball? Like, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, that's just a dumb joke. But like, truly, like, does he exercise? Does he should have he... just gone to that guitar shop. Yeah. Huh. Like, or does, does he? Yeah. Did that weekly poker game one week. Yeah. 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 Um, but I mean, everyone needs yeah. a way to get it out. And I think it's a really fascinating thing how some of our outlets are healthy and some of them aren't. I think it is a good storyline. I agree. I like what you said, Caleb, about it being internal. And I I like that it doesn't spell it out for us because now that we're talking about it, it is a lot and it makes total sense that he would be behaving this way. I actually think that the, the stereotype of him and Jasmine wouldn't bother me so much if it hadn't also been there last season when he wasn't going through this. Cause I'm mm. like, Oh, yeah. that's just their dynamic. If this were new, I would find that I think interesting because I'd be like, Oh, and it's infiltrating their dynamic. They've always been so respectful to each other before, not necessarily, <laughs> but, and it would maybe be interesting to see him like try to do something healthier, like go for a run or something. And then 
just like jog by a bar and just like get drunk instead or like I, I don't know it's it's interesting I guess we do see that because we see him taking care of his dad and then he manages to turn that into something go get drunk go get drunk yeah yeah I th- would also be interested to know more of Jasmine's side of it and I'm thinking now of when Camille had that scene with Julia where um <laughs> she's She's trying to act like Joel is like Zeke. And she says, I know stubborn men. <laughs> and we were like, what? What are you talking about? Yeah. These characters are not alike. I would love to see Camille and Jasmine. Yes. Together and have Jasmine say, Camille, do you got any ideas for me? <laughs> yeah. About <laughs> how I can help or take care of this guy who is a carbon copy of your yeah. husband. Yeah. Who you've been with so much longer than I have. Yeah, yeah. And then understand her concerns more rather than one look to Zeke, who is part of the problem, and say, I'm really concerned about him. Like, well, okay, I am too, but <laughs> tell me more. <laughs> I, and, yeah. you know, you're right, Caleb. If we asked Jasmine, maybe she did ask him to stop riding his bike three times and then she put a boot on it. We yeah. Don't yeah. <laughs> we don't know. Yeah. yeah. Maybe she tried having a regular conversation. She's like, does not work. <laughs> Yeah. I, I would that believe feels it. like Camille, where Camille was like, please travel with me. And Zeke's like, nope. All right, I'm going to go to Italy by myself. I'm leaving <laughs> next week. Yeah. <laughs> like, if that's the way, if the only way I can get what I want, I'm going to do that. Yeah. yeah. I would buy it. Yeah. They are so alike. This is a wasted opportunity. Oh, my gosh. Camille and Jasmine should be best friends. <laughs> like, <it's> yeah. just, <laughs> how are they getting through anything without each other? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. This episode overall was a bit of a misfire for me. Like so far in season six, I was like, wow, season six is so much stronger than I thought. Me too. I thought it was really kind of a mixed bag. And then I watched this one. I was like, oh, here's the mix. Like it's, this was not as strong as the first few. And none of the storylines really landed with me. Although as is always the case, discussing them here has made me way more interested in them than I initially was. Yeah. I don't know. I'm not all that interested in Chris. I don't like watching Crosby behave bizarrely for no apparent reason. And Amber's story just bummed me out. It just felt bad for <laughs> yeah, her. Yeah, that was uncomfortable. It was just uncomfortable. Although, here's something that made me laugh a little. When she's, like, giving Drew her, like, vodka and her weed, and he's like, look... These are all things you can have in just a couple months. And I'm just imagining her like drunk and high, like with her baby. (laughs) With the the infant. (laughs) I mean, I know she technically can, I guess, get a babysitter and just have have a night. But I was like, you are maybe making it sound like her situation will be over sooner than it is. Yes, that is some younger brother advice there. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Although now I'm, I'm realizing a parallel perhaps there between, you know, she's confronting the very thing that... Crosby is maybe struggling with. Yeah. Which is damn. these are things I enjoy that I'm going to have to give up when I have a kid. I'm like, well, Amber seems to be <laughs> starting that process now. And maybe this is all a factor of Crosby had no preparation for becoming a parent and was sprung on him. Yeah. But it seems like in a way Amber is understanding my life will be fundamentally different. Right. And even if you want the child, I would think that is an adjustment that takes some time and maybe is never completely resolved. Like, I mean, Sarah, are there aspects? I know you would never be like, I wish I didn't have my son. No. But are there aspects of life without children that you still think back on and go like, oh, I loved that. Oh yeah. You just, oh yeah. It's totally different. And I think women, especially there's like such a identity 
crisis after I'm sure men go through it to some extent as well, but because your body is such a part of it too, Mm. this identity of motherhood and being a woman and like existing for yourself or for your kid, or, you know, I think that there's a lot of that stuff that takes time to unravel and get to a happy place with, I think it's like kind of a, definitely an ongoing adjustment. And I definitely know, and I mean, many partners, like oftentimes men, and I would think same-sex partners too, end up partying a ton while one person is pregnant. Wow. Because <laughs> I think they're getting it out of their system, right? Like they're feeling like this is going to end, you know, and they like party, drink a lot or whatever. You're like, you know? for me, it has already ended. That is It already stopped for the pregnant person, right? But wow. your partner might, you know, gosh, do that just to get it. I think they're, you know, people like reckon with it in different ways. I feel like that's why people like start to take vacations while they're pregnant or let's go do this one last thing without having to plan for a kid being there, you know, but in a way, I wonder if that's good because it at least shows that they understand there's going to need to be a change. Yes. There might be something healthy in that. Yeah. Yeah. And I wonder if Crosby is thinking like, well, I can just be exactly the same person I was. It's like, but you can't. And you can't. And it feels weird saying that because I like, why not? Except, but but he can't. He you can't. can't <laughs> no, you can't. It's like why there are signs at bars that are like, no babies. Like, at least when I lived in Chicago, there'd be like that sign, like, <laughs> this is not for babies. Because <laughs> people not... would come in with their little carriers and their babies. You know? That oh line gosh. in Sweet Home Alabama, you have a baby. In a bar. (laughs) Uh, No, but like, I mean, I think this is so fascinating because I was just kind of poking fun of Drew for saying in a couple months, you can have your weed and your vodka. I, I do think that people should be people beyond their identity as a parent. I I think people should, you know, get babysitters and still go out on dates. It's all very easy for me to say because I don't have kids. I'm sure it's really hard to maneuver all that and and have a full life that that is just yours. But like in some ways, yeah, I do think that you should still be more responsible. Like you aren't just living for yourself anymore. No, you're not. I mean, you have a person to take care of. You can't just like be reckless. You can, but that's a choice, you know, I mean, I think. Yeah, there is. A lot. It's like, I don't know Then on like the boring levels. You know, I mean, even like as an artist parent, I'm like, well, better make sure we have health insurance. Now we have a kid, you know, yeah. like yeah. stuff like that. You start to be like, well, I guess we need more regular jobs, you know, it's things like that kind of it all. Yeah, it's layers of that. From extremes like weed and vodka to like health insurance. <laughs> <laughs> well, and it's like Sarah Braverman said in the first episode of the season to Amber, she's like, it's a weird thing where you're you're one person, but you're two. Yeah. It's like, yeah, it's exactly. I mean, she, she did know what she was talking about. Turns out. She did. She did. Such a good mom. Mm -hmm. Uh, How long is that job in Santa Cruz? (laughs) Took her away for a big photo shoot. (laughs) (laughs) Hank Uh, wasn't there to give romantic advice to Max. (laughs) That would have been hilarious. That would have been a doozy. I'm not sure it would have been much different, honestly, than the advice they gave. Maybe I'm wrong. I don't know. He would have just gone and talked to Dylan and been like, pretend you like him. That's what he did with (laughs) his daughter. (laughs) Well, undefined relationships did feel like a bit of a theme, like between Max and Dylan, Julia and Chris, Amber and Griffin. 
I don't know if it really applies to Crosby and Zeke, although why their wives stay with them (laughs) is a question that came up more than once for me. This episode was dedicated to Franco Giorgiana, who was a prop master on the show who died unexpectedly during the shooting of this episode. I did wonder. That's awful. Yeah. It's really sad. But it's so funny looking at this years later, you know, that would have aired on TV when that passing was very recent. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And now it's kind of nice to know that the dedication is attached to that episode forever. Yeah. Yeah, it's like a legacy. People will come to it years later and go, who was that? And Google and find out. Yeah, that's beautiful. I love I love that. You know, maybe one last thing I'll say, Caleb, is that earlier you mentioned how how we feel is not always how we'll feel forever and that this episode not this episode, but this podcast has made you really process that and aware of that. And me too. I mean, it really does feel like a time capsule. When it first started, sometimes our episodes would be hours and hours and hours. <laughs> and not even like all the time we recorded. I mean, really, our episode lengths, I think, have been pretty consistent. But sometimes Caleb and I would like talk for a couple hours mm-hmm. first about like <laughs> the pandemic and how freaked out we were about like, yeah. Would Caleb ever get back to work and were we all going to be okay? And we were just so freaked out and we had hours <laughs> to devote to stuff like that, just freaking out. And yeah. then when we we would record and it would like make me feel better because we were getting like our minds off of it with TV and I'm still loving the podcast so much. But yeah, today instead it's like, oh, go to work and then like do the podcast and then I've got a class tonight and like we're just back to like full on busy life. And so like the pandemic state of mind felt like it would go on forever, but that really was temporary. I'm hoping this like super crazy stressful schedule of mine might be temporary too, but, but I don't know. It's just making me think because it really does. Sometimes I go back and listen to old episodes and we'll mention something like I'll mention like teaching while everyone's masked and it it just, what a time capsule. Like it's just crazy. And I Mm -hmm. guess you mentioning that um, person who died and the show's dedicated to him, that's a time capsule too. And yeah, I don't know. Maybe someone will find this podcast years from now and be like, oh, right. The pandemic was going on the whole time that they were doing that. Like, I don't know. It's just wild when you think of it that way. And I don't know when, but when did we really start having on-demand streaming access all the time? Because these TV shows, I don't think anyone anticipated you could rewatch them whenever you want. Mm -hmm. Right. You know, and in a row and like, you know, that's kind of now we create content for that, right? But, yeah. But these shows were made to be watched one episode a week when it came out, you know, over yeah. six yeah. years. And so. And then maybe never again. And yeah. then maybe never again. Yeah. I especially thought that when I would watch, like, in the early days of the pandemic, I watched The West Wing, which oh, started yeah. in the 90s. Yeah. And, and you could just tell, like, I mean, they're great episodes of television, but could just tell oh this was not meant to be watched as a whole right years and years and years later this was of the time of its time yeah and i think with parenthood at least the phenomenon of tv shows on dvd i think certainly was around yeah when that show started yeah but i don't think streaming was Mm -hmm. certainly not in the way that it is now i remember i would watch 
episodes on Hulu later in the week if I didn't catch them live. Yeah. Or I would watch them again. Yeah. Oh, yeah. But that was when Hulu was free. And it was kind of like a, well, if you don't have DVR. Oh, yeah. Because yeah. here it's it's somewhere else and you can watch it. And yeah. you have to watch commercials still. And Ugh. Sarah, it really was wonderful to like see you again. It, yeah, you good know. to see you. Yes. Third time's the charm. Uh, yeah. Yes, you're in our three timers club now. Once. Yes. Twice. Yay. <laughs> three times. Very special. An elite status. That's right. That's, That's right. true. Yes. Until our run is over, you can check us out um, on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Parenthood Pals everywhere. And at our website, parenthoodpals.com. Thank you for listening. And until next time, may God bless and keep you always. May your wishes all come true.